Blog Talk Radio. It's Tuesday night, and we're bringing you a special episode of Graphic Policy Radio, a show that mixes comics, geekdom, and politics, perfect for folks who know who Carlos Danger is, but still thinks they'd make a perfect and awesome name for a comic book super spy. I'm your host, Brett, a.k.a. Leonardo... Oh, wait, you're going to like this better. I'm your host, Brett, a.k.a. Leandro Kill, and tonight we've got a special episode dedicated to the Nirvana that is San Diego Comic-Con which took place last week uh, from Wednesday to Sunday in San Diego, California. And to discuss me is my co-host, Alana, a.k.a. Salvador Trouble. Nice, How you doing? nice. Glad to be here. Happy to have an alias. I think we all need one in this day and age, apparently. And it makes me embarrassed <laughs> to be so. a New Yorker uh, right now. Uh, for folks who want their own uh, online name, you can go to Slate.com, who's got this awesome name generator, which both of those came from. Um, oh. And for a slight thing, yeah, I'm not that creative. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. hate to break the bubble, but okay. I'm definitely not that creative. Um, and the funny thing is, you'll appreciate it, was in their ver- original version of their uh, name generator, Anthony Weiner, was not Carlos Danger. They had to fix it. Oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to get sidetracked too much, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, oh, don't get me started talking about New York politics, folks. I will not stop. But you just yeah. came back to San Diego Comic-Con. I am Yes. Sure. Uh, it was a good time. Um, I have a slight case of nerd flu, but I seem to be getting over it pretty well. Um, so for folks who don't know, San Diego Comic-Con started many, many years ago in the 70s. It's blown up to be, kind of be like the big uh, convention that isn't just comics. It's also games, movies, television. Um, it's the big, really kind of the biggest, I think, in... Uh, public um, convention or, you know, one of the earliest public conventions where um, networks show off their fall uh, television shows. You get a lot of movies that are coming out uh, later this year or next year. Um, it really can, it has built up a reputation, uh, whether or not that's valid, that Camp, uh, San Diego Comic-Con can, like, make or break your project. Um, there's still comics, but um, it hit me a lot this year that that's less and less so, even from the comic companies. Um, so yeah. I guess the the big would be is let's start off with like the major announcements. I think around, and I think this will kind of like show off where the comic companies are. Uh, so Marvel, DC, obviously the big two. Marvel's big announcement is not a whole lot. They showed off um, X Men: Days of Future Past. Uh, which is a movie. They showed off Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a movie. If you went by their booth, yeah, there might have been a wall where they had two or three people signing, but on their main stage was either like big-name celebrities like Stan Lee or people like Joss Whedon, um, who is the director of Avengers and producer of Marvel's uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. television show, um, or they had props from the movies, which is cool if you're a fan. Um, on the other side was the DC booth. Now, DC, I'll, I'll say, was a little bit more uh, comic-focused, where they had numerous booths where creators were signing, and they actually have a really cool thing that I, they started a few years ago, where they have a, um, a, a stage where someone draws and through while they're drawing. Cool thing if you're into that. 
Um, and in the center of their booth was uh, Superman, oh, like every Superman costume that there's been. Their big announcement was a Superman-Batman movie, um, which is another part of a discussion of how wrong all the blogs are, whether or not speculation is a good or bad thing. Um, so again, their big announcement, movie. Um, other than that, like, Boom and Arkea was there, and we're going to get into the Boom, or I'm going to bring up the Boom in a little bit, because that was awesome, awesome what they were showing. Um, comic companies, they didn't really announce a lot. They actually made their big announcement two weeks ago when Boom announced that they were buying Arkea. Um, Dynamite was not at the show, but they actually had 14 announcements that all had to do with comic books. Um, IDW had a bunch Dynamite of announcements. Wasn't that, Dynamite wasn't at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, they tend to not do lots of conventions. But yeah, it was pointed out huh. that they weren't there. Um, and I can't think if they were there last year, but they still, like, out of all the companies, I think they're, them and IDW made the most announcements out of everyone. And uh, Dark Horse made a couple um, announcements, some comic-related. I think maybe one was a movie. Um, but Comic World, like, that was it. It was really, really strange. Like, the big two announced Jack, as far as I'm concerned. Um, some stuff came out, like a new X-Men series um, that's going to be done by Jason Aaron. That's um, what the world needs, another X-Men series to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but this one's going to have the return yeah. of Nightcrawler, because no one can stay dead. Uh. Well, okay, that, you know, okay, I get. I wonder, I, I just hope that he ends up being comprised of all of the various bamps that we've been seeing, and they all sort of morph together and become Kurt Wagner. That's my, well, okay. my so operating principle. There's that, something about that. Oh, no, okay. well, here's the thing, is um, Jason Aaron hinted that the Bamps have something to do with it, and that he's been seeds and groundwork since the beginning of You're breaking up, and I can't hear you. Ah! Uh, can you hear me here now? Yes, now I can, yes. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll cross my finger if my... Uh, this gets really bad, then I will switch to a phone. But um, Jason Aaron has, has hinted that he's been dropping um, hints about this through Wolverine and the X-Men, and that the Bamps mm-hmm. are involved in And in the teaser clip, we see Azazel, and he has red Bamps. Mm-hmm. Is, is Jason Aaron going to stick with Wolverine and the X-Men, or is someone else going to be taking this series? Yeah, he's going to do both. They're going to be kind of like sister series. Gotcha. Which is good, because I don't want to see him leave Wolverine and the X-Men. No, I... It's it's got such a specific feel that I don't like. Okay, I would love to have a book with X Men teens, you know, by Brian K. Vaughan. Um, you know, when again, I would love to have one with uh, Karen Gillan once Karen's done with the Avengers. I uh, I think it would be really interesting. I mean, I think it's a lot of really interesting things with that. But the specific thing that he that Jason Aaron is doing with Wolverine and the X Men is so specific that I just don't see how you hand that book off to somebody else, you know? Yeah, yes. Um, it's Marvel almost did to be like if announce... somebody had... T- it... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, Marvel also announced that they were doing a sequel to Wolverine Origins, and I mm-hmm. rolled my eyes on that one. Yeah, exactly. And I heard there, which I heard on the internet that they were having Karen Gillan write a sequel to, to Wolverine Origins. Yes, 
Um, but that is if you so, actually like the idea of revealing Wolverine's origins. <laughs> I know this is like a this is a serious issue now for me, guys, because I don't, for folks may be aware, uh, I strongly am opposed to them get, go, to the fact that they did an actual definitive origin for Wolverine. I think it was completely destructive to the character's mystery and went against everything that the character itself was supposed to be doing. I, you know, I thought it was good that we'd gotten shadows of his past and knowledge, and, you know, you had these glimpses where you would realize, oh, my God, this guy is even older than we thought. Like, there was stuff like that was great. But when they actually were like, here's the past. Oh, and by the way, the story that I've eventually deduced for reading Wolverine and the X-Men, they're saying his past was it's completely stupid. Um, like, was it really worth it for you guys to destroy the mystery of this character by giving you a definitive answer? No, it's fucking terrible. Meanwhile, I adore Karen Gillan and won't read anything he writes, so not really quite sure what they're what to do there, you know? Yeah, I'm torn as well on that for one. Me to make. I'm with you on that one. Can you hear me? Um, yeah, can you get me? Hello? Hello, hold on. Hello? Clearly my internet... So Brett is switching over the phone right now because (laughs) the internet is lousy. Um, If we don't have adequate broadband in this country... uh, Anyway, um, so yeah, that's something which I'm really torn about. I, I don't think that adding to the origin is going to to save it, so to speak. I, I I was hoping you could practically retcon it away, but I suppose the fact that you have characters from Wolverine Origins peppering Wolverine and the X-Men to the point that you do makes it sort of hard for me to continue to live in my denial of the, the storyline. Um, I've yet to have some... I, if someone has read anything that actually made a reasonable case for why this origin should have been revealed, do send it my way. I, I, I'm... I want someone to try to convince me I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. Anyway, um, so that was a big announcement that I'm torn about. I think that, I guess I could see that, you know, doing a story like that is probably good for sales. It is a character everybody loves, but it's artistically, like, ridiculous and awful. I am happy to see Karen Gillen getting more work, though, and I definitely encourage everyone to check out but he's been writing at Young Avengers, which had another fantastic issue just recently, um, tackling questions of dead-end jobs after college or instead of college, and just generally the ennui of the young Americans slash superheroes. Um, great characterization um, in, 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 that, in that issue, really getting some interesting mysteries built up. Uh, I do think that at this point, you probably do need to go back and, and, and read the original uh, issues from his run of Young Avengers to understand what's happening now. But it's not that many at this point. It's manageable. Go pick them up because it's just delightful and wonderful and really should be read by everyone. Uh, so that's something I should still love to stand by and remind folks to read. I guess while I have time where Brett is switching phones, I would also throw out... Um, I'm here. Can you hear me? that I am looking forward to finally reading the Ghost Trade paperback. Um, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Sonoto had started this series. Uh, it was sort of a mystery, noir, superhero, vengeance combo story. Um, 
And I'd begun reading it, and I didn't have time to get to keep it up, but now it's finally being released as straight paperback, and I'm definitely going to look forward to reading that and giving you guys a review on it. It's uh, a character that is pretty easy to just define in terms of her relationship to male characters, and I, I feel that the writer isn't going to let it stay that way. She's too sharp, and the art is gorgeous. So I look forward to seeing what's going to happen now in, in the book. Uh, and this will give you guys a chance to catch up and talk more about that. So we're Can you hear me? I have Dark Horse sending those pieces our way and uh, sharing them with you. Looks like Brett is still having problems getting on. Someone. Okay. Uh, I'm Can you hear me now? I'm encouraging anyone who wants to call in and talk about your own impressions from Comic Con, you know, whether you were there or not, to go for it. I myself was not there. I will definitely go one of these years. But Brett was there to go our in-person coverage and uh, some interesting stories to share. I can say that following along from home, I keep being struck by how strong of a turnout there seems to be among female fans. Um, People think it probably was 50-50 split in terms of attendance between Mm -hmm. um, men and women and that, you know, you would really hope that publishers would take note and that people would stop making assumptions about who their audiences are. Um, I definitely think it's exciting that we have that many women going there, and I, 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 I've been seeing great stuff from you know costumes coming out of it as well. A lot of creativity, people not just buying things but making things. Uh, I think it was the Mary Sue that said that the most popular costume they've seen at Comic Con was Wonder Woman, and there was more Wonder Women there than there were Batman or Superman. I think it's pretty telling. And, you know, meanwhile, you have the big shows saying that uh, they can't do a Wonder Woman movie. It's too hard. I feel that maybe maybe it's too hard for you, but I don't think it's too hard for good writers who really care about this. You know, I would love to see, and I'm not the only one, someone who really gives a shit taking this on and doing it themselves. And I want to see it written by a woman because, God forbid, we should get to write anything in Hollywood. Uh and I think there's lots of great ways they could take the character. I think one of the points that people keep making is like, oh, her origin is confusing. She doesn't have a definitive story. The reason she doesn't is because it hasn't been told to the mass public in a, before. We've had there have been many Batman origin stories and many Superman origin stories, and that's why they seem easy to tell now. It's because they've been told so many times. It's strictly the repetition and not something that's magically more elegant about their origin story that hers is lacking. So if you just give the character a chance to have that and you do a good job with it, I mean, I think that will make all the difference. And clearly there's an audience for this movie. I can't imagine any mom not taking their their their, their daughter to a new Wonder Woman movie coming out if it's going to be something that's like, you know, PG. Family Hi. Can you hear me now? Yeah, can you hear me now? I feel like I almost hear you. This is so weird. I can hear you, no problem. No, you sound like a ghost. This is so odd. I'm going to keep my eye on our Twitter feed if someone can tell me if they can hear him. Yeah, that'd be nice. If someone uh, is on Twitter. Can you hear Brett? Can you hear? Yes. Let's, Let's try, try this. Can you hear this one? 
Okay, okay, so, so this is odd in that I can hear holding I can on. hear me, so I'm thinking maybe okay. it's something on your end. I'll be uh deal with our technical difficulties. You can probably tell right now they're self produced. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I can hear me. Um, one second. So Brett can hear Brett. Brett, can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you, yes. I can hear you no problem. Um, okay, Brett can hear me and I can't hear Brett. I apologize for this technical mishigas. All right, let's try to fix this really quick. I'm going to hang up and try calling it again. There we go. Okay, so while uh, Lana hangs up and tries calling in again, uh, what uh, um, I'm going to pick up actually what she said. She was talking about women at the show, and this is something I wanted to bring up about the Boom Booth, Is and I took a lot of photos about this, is out of all the publishers, uh, when it comes to gender parity, uh, Boom seems to be kicking ass in that department. Um, on many times where I've walked by and looking at their creators, and we're talking like 10, 12 worth, uh, people, it was men and women of um, all shapes, sizes, nationalities, everything. Hey, are you back? I'm back. Yay. Okay. Um, so that was weird. <laughs> Yay, technology. Um, Yay. So I was saying, like, when you were talking about women at the show, um, and it was something I wanted to bring up, and it, it's something we're going to be doing with the site uh, going forward, and I don't want to spoil it quite yet, but uh, Boom Studios, when it came to men and women being shown off and do, working on their comics, and you've brought this up in previous shows, is, like, that publisher was kicking ass in so many ways. Um, and Archaea 2, also, um, if you went to, like, their signings, it was like half men, half women. Um, some of them, women were the majority. Uh, it was amazing to see. Of the signers or the attendees? Uh, the, the, the the of the of the Yeah, talent. like the people behind. Please. Yeah, the talent. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome to see. Like, that was stood out to me immediately. And it's not just white. Like, there was all, I said, all shapes and sizes, all, like, um, ethnicities, like everything was back there, so it was beyond cool to see um, at their booth, and like I have to throw them mad props, and, and beyond the talent, um, people that were working the booth behind the booth were men, women, clearly weren't booth babes hired, um, mm-hmm. so out of all the publishers, like I noticed this, and like mad props to them, it was fantastic to see. Um, That's great. Yeah, and Boom is a really fast-growing even... publisher, really popular. You know, this isn't like a small-time independent press that suits that, that serves a completely different audience than the big two. I mean, they do have probably more young readers because of the Kaboom line, but shouldn't the big two want more young readers as well? I, I think that their success in attracting the audience they have with the diverse roster they have should really be a lesson the big two should consider. 
Yeah, I mean, so Boom is like definitely a company on the rise. They've got Adventure Time, which seems to be go- like going gung ho for them. Um, they've got a lot of like creator owned companies. I mean, how they bought out another publisher, another publisher, which shows that they are doing some solid stuff. In a couple weeks, they've got the movie Two Guns coming out, which is based on a graphic novel of theirs. Um, like it's a company to not just watch out for for content, but also their talent. Um, because of like this awesome thing, and I've heard I heard through the grapevine when talking to folks about this, creators about this, um, they said you know it's not just show. The place really is like Nirvana and what you want. Um, which is you know it's one thing to put on a facade and show off, but also hear the background like back end of stuff from people unprompted saying that it is as good on the back end as it is you know, for seeing it is great to hear. So um, massive props to that company. Like, they are doing awesome and kicking ass and um, showing off the massive amount of female talent out there. So um, just really, really cool to see. I Like, I can't speak highly enough of it. It was one of those things, like, every time I walked by, snap photos. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think what else. The other would be is there were some interesting debuts that would I know we'll be talking about in future episodes. Um, speaking of women creators, Alyssa Milano of Who's the Boss fame and mm-hmm. um, and Charmed actually has a uh, graphic novel coming out from Archaea, which is Shocker, owned by Boom now. Um, and the, the series is called Hacktivist, and this is why I kind of want to bring it up. So Hacktivist is a term of an online activist who uses their technology power to do good or bad, um, depending on what perspective they have and what they do. Um, so that she's not writing the series, and that stood out to me um, in various panels that she's having other folks write it, but it's her idea. And the general idea of this is that, um, you know, what happens if there was this, like, massive person like you know one of the guys from Twitter who is actually the first pers- pe- person behind like all the hacktivist activity that's going on like anonymous isn't a group it's actually one person um doing everything so kind of a cool concept uh, and the that turns me it, off it's an interesting it's not a collective of people though okay like it's an interesting concept it did sort of strike me as left field like Melissa Milano I mostly know her from doing those charity ads on TV all the time. I I really wasn't aware, but I don't want to assume that just because she's not part of an activist world that I'm a part of doesn't mean that she's not, you know, actually involved. I don't I'm not an expert on everything, Jesus. But sort of a bit left field, but I, I don't like the idea of they're saying that just like, oh, there's just this one person pulling the strings that's sort of anti the collectivist nature of activism. Um yeah, I mean, it's one of those that, like, knowing the fact that it's not one person, I think it kind of, like, is a little of injustice to all the people who are, you know, working their asses off um, to make these things happen. It's an interesting concept, though, and I'm kind of fascinated to see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those that they had, like, a Ashcan preview. It's only four pages. It it was interesting. Um, I'm yeah, reserving judgment to our... Yeah, I mean, the artwork's kind of cool. Um, and the four pages, it was good. Like, it didn't blow me away. It was but, Marcus Cho, right? Um, He's the guy who did some work for Captain Amer- for Captain Marvel, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Marcus So is doing the art. Uh, Ian Hearing, I think, is doing the colors or the inks or something like that. Um, I forgot the two writers. Um, I'm not familiar with their work previously, so I can't really comment on them. It's like Jackson something and Colin Kelly, I think, is the other one. Um, well, maybe Alyssa Milano um, becomes the new William Shatner, you know? Like with William <laughs> Shatner's tech world, right? We we actually had a discussion about that, and that was one of the first ones we brought up was Shatner's tech world and Leonard Nimoy's whatever the hell he did. Um, and how many, <laughs> and like... Nimoy's whatever the hell he did. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Well, it was a big. It was just like how many actual celebrity stuff. Uh, how many celebrities writing comics are actually good? Um, and there's like maybe like a handful I can think of, especially when it comes to music celebrities. For some reason, they have like the worst record. Hmm. Wait a minute. Are you saying Kiss comics weren't really written by Kiss? <laughs> I'm going to go with a no on that one. So the the one exception when it came to musicians was Gerard Way's Umbrella Academy, which is amazing if you haven't read it. And then he's got a new one called yeah. um, True Lives, True Lives of the Killjoys. Um, and he, I, he's like the exception to the rule, which is funny because I think he's like the lead singer of Good Charlotte, and I hate that band. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I sat in her panel, the panel where um, I mean they announced it. And then Arcade had a panel, and I went and checked that one out. Um, and Alyssa Mono, they brought her up. And she was actually like, she just brought up, like, here's the comic, here's the concept. Um, I have nothing to do with it other than that. Like, all the credit goes to the writers and the artists and the colors and uh, Inker and all that stuff. Like, she took no credit, which is really impressive, I think. Because um, you usually yeah. see, like, the celebrities being like, I did it all, when we all know that's not the case. Um, yeah. So the fact that she did that was, I think, kind of was pretty um, was pretty cool of her and actually like pretty upstanding. So I, I will give her props mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Um, and did she talk about like what kind of activist stuff she had been in that she was inspired by this that she'd been engaged in? Or I don't know. Like I feel bad questioning somebody's cred, but I am curious genuinely. I. Yeah, it was the thing is, like, I don't know what she's engaged in, like, what she does in generally, um, and that was the one thing that kind of I left wanting to know more about, and I unfortunately couldn't interview her because that would have been, like, my first question. I um, mean, she did say she's, like, oh, she's politically active and does engage in charity, but I couldn't tell you what the hell she does. Um, you know, but charity and, is well, not you know, the same I, as activism. I mean, it's just not, well, uh, like, charity is important, me, but it's not the same as activism. Yeah, I mean, and I definitely find the exact do those ads for, like, the Children's United Way, Who's He What's This, which, again, like, that's good, but that's not, it's not activism. It's not, also, it's also not structurally changing the system that creates these problems in the first place, but, anyway. But, yeah, I think Yeah, I think I'm mis- misquoting her, so. Story, I guess. Let me, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's cool. Uh, it's one of those, like, it's a cool idea. I'm willing to give it a shot. Let me I mean, find out exact quote because I want to not um, screw up like what she said. So she said her the inspiration for the series is Jack Dorsey, who created Twitter and Square, and then her own involvement in global activism and philanthropy. But like that's about it. That's all I got. When is it going to be out? 
Um, it's going to start coming out digitally this fall, and then the full hardcover will be in 2014. Cool. So, I mean, that was one that was interesting. Like, I didn't, um, you know, it was cool to check out. Didn't completely, like, blow me away. But, again, it's, like, better than nothing. <laughs> Um, definitely interesting and definitely trying something new. Yeah, and it's it's a story that I don't see any other publisher touching, so I'm willing to give it a shot and and, and see. Um we'll uh we'll see. Like I I read the Ashcan. It was good. It didn't um it didn't completely blow me away, but you know, it's it, it was enough that I'm willing to give it a shot and like read the whole thing. Um, other debuts, and we had him on the show, and we talked about it a little bit, is Charles Soule's Letter 44 debuted at the Oni, uh, Oni um, table. Uh, so I got a, a chance to read that first issue, and it's as kick-ass as I was hoping it would be. Um, Tell us more about this. What's that? Tell me more about it. Okay, so that was the one that the story is about uh, a president who comes into office and the previous president leaves him a note and the le- uh, the note basically goes in and says, you think I'm an idiot, it's, you know, the previous president's Bush, so it's like, you th- or a Bush-like character, and it's like, you think I'm an idiot, you think I am um, unpatriotic and I'm evil and I had no right doing this job, um, but what you don't know is everything I did, I did it for a reason, um, you know, to get more money into R&D, to get more money into the military. I had to start wars. I had to prepare us because what you don't know is seven years ago we got a signal from the asteroid belt and there's someone out there and we don't know who they are. And what you also don't know is I sent up a mission of scientists and I think it's like Delta Force and Navy SEALs to go find out what the hell is going on. So, you know, good luck with in the job. Um, it's not, you know unlike anything that you've dealt with before. Um, so that's kind of the basis of it. Was this kind of idea that um, it's very sci-fi, which is cool, but then there's this this thought process too that there's more going on to the presidency that we don't know, and that it's you know while we a lot of us judge maybe there's more to the story than we're aware. And it's kind of like, it's an interesting twist that I really dig. And that's why um, we should let them spy on us as much as they want. <laughs> uh, well, that's one of those things, like, you kind of wonder, and I'm not justifying any of it. I'm just saying, like, it kind of opens up your mind. Is like, who knows, maybe there is some bigger story. Um, like, And it also got me thinking of, like, with all the crap that's going on with things like Prism, um, what would be the story behind them? And that would justify that, I and I can't even think pretty clearer, but, you know, I don't know. It sounds interesting, it sounds fun, but the implications of it are kind of effed up, you know? I'm yeah, sorry, implications it, the implications of the story. Yeah, it, but it also, it doesn't justify it at all. Like, it's a sci-fi story, and that's just kind of the backstory to it. Um, and I know Charles went in and did a lot of research about transitions and... Uh, what, how government actually functions, so there's a lot to it, and I think it would be it's going to be cool to check out how it plays out. But to me, first and foremost, it's a sci-fi story, not a political story. Gotcha. Um, then what else? There is 
on kind of the fringe of going back to Arkea, they had a whole bunch of releases that I'm making my way through. Um, one that I've been waiting for called the Rubicon, that is the Seven Samurai in Iraq. Oh. Which is kind of cool, and it's written by um, Mark Strong, who wrote a couple things, but uh, also has a, I think he's a Navy SEAL, although they're kind of shady as to what he really is, um, helping out with the story. So I read it, it's it's an action story. He's a little, um, they're a little shady as to what he actually does for a living, like they actually had to redact his bio. Who is this? Some one of the advisors to the book. Interesting. So is this this is contemporary? Where it's set, or what's that? Is the story contemporary? Like it's set in contemporary times? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's oh. um, it's the Iraq War. Um, basically, something goes down. They have to send in these uh, uh, Navy SEALs, who then get tied up into having to protect the village from the Taliban. So uh, exactly like the Seven Samurai. I mean, there's no difference whatsoever. Um, just different setting. But the story. I mean, the story's awesome. cool if you like. Yeah, if you if you like Seven Seven Samurais, if you like kind of war stories, the mix of them together in this is a cool mix. I dug it. Um, and then the biggest thing I geeked out on at uh, Comic Con was there's this series called The Killer, um, which is in its fourth volume, which just came out. And the writer of it's name's Matt, who's a uh, Fran- uh, lives in France, um, and has a sweet ass like French accent. So the series is about this assassin um, who kind of just goes day to day doing what he has to do to make a living. So the third volume had him um, hired to go assassinate Hugo Chavez so that the U.S. can get some oil deal. And then it's uh, involved with, like, the Chinese, Cuba, oil off of Cuba, um, Venezuela, the U.S., CIA, like, in this, like, really kind of cool action thriller. And the fourth volume, which just came out, is the continuation of that. And it's now turned in more of a political thriller as the killer and his Colombian cartel buddies who are now um, trying to set up, like, their own oil company and screw over, like, the CIA and um, they're in bed with the Cubans and selling to the Chinese and um, political, geopolitical thriller. And it was awesome. I got to talk to Matt for probably like a half an hour. The the, um, the interview is up on graphicpolicy.com. And it basically like the whole series is about taking on hypocrisy. It's not like anti-U.S. Uh, it's more anti-corporatism um, uh, uh, and, and a little bit of yeah. capitalism and consumerism. It's really freaking cool. Um, we do have digital That's review copies, great. so remind me to send you it to you. But the, yeah. to me, the best part of I'm it... I'm a huge fan... Well, I'm a really huge fan of the um, American tabloid, you know, Underworld USA book series that uh, James Elroy just finished, I guess, the other year. Um, and this definitely seems to be coming from a similar place. I It sounds, like, really freaking cool. This was like, this I was like it a lot. in the past. This was set in the 60s, so it was essentially historical fiction, but like an alternate, well, yeah. not alternate at all, but speculative and actually not irrationally speculative. Like fairly rational conspiracy theory, <laughs> alternate history, historical fiction, and this seems like a modern take on the similar sort of story. Yeah, and to me, the, like the, the 
thing that just tops it all off is it's not from an American or Eurocentric perspective. Nice. I think that is one of the most valuable things, really, about um, The Massive, right? You know, The Massive is such an amazing, amazing comic book. And I do think that one of the real virtues it has, actually, is that it's not American or Eurocentric at all. The story is not centered around American characters or European characters and our perspective. It's much more international than that. And I think that's one of the things that's so valuable about the comics. So it makes me happy to hear there's another book that's taking that perspective, but that's also for an American audience, you know? Yeah, and um, I mean, talking to the guy, is, I can't even describe it. Like, I, I met him two years ago, um, and when I walked up to talk to him again, he's like, oh, I met you before. Like, I was, he's like at San Diego. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, I don't, you know, maybe last year or the year before. He's like, I wasn't here like last year, so definitely two years ago. He's like, you know, you're a political guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, That's impressive. Hello? Oh, boy. Hello? Well, I don't know if folks can hear me. I'm going to just call in again. I apologize. Okay. Uh. Wow, that was weird. This episode is cursed. Are you there? Yes. I'm wondering if, if Blog Talk Radio is actually having an issue. Hmm. Because we both just got booted at the same time, which makes me think it's not us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as I was saying, so like he and I were talking about like a lot of the hypocrisy in, in politics and um, really, really cool guy. Uh, definitely want to support him in the future. He's got another series called Cyclops, which takes on more like corporatism. Um, but I'll, I'll send you a copy and see what, what you have to say about it. Um, and we could talk about it in a future episode. Oh, like it's it's friggin' cool. I think I've got all four volumes, if not the third and fourth volume are like to me the, the key ones. Um and you don't necessarily need to read the first or second one, but the third and fourth together are like must reads. You have to read the really the third one to get to the fourth one. Um okay. and I'm trying to think what else. And one more time that, that was, series again. Uh it's called The Killer. Killer. Really, really cool guy. Don't know his name. <laughs> he is just the killer. Sweet. And the the other was the um, the thing that got me about San Diego was I mean usually I go to cons and I like walk around the small press area and I walk around the the um, creator area. And I immediately like find a dozen things that I want to get. This is the first time I've gone to a convention. I've walked around and I made like easily a dozen passes through both of them, and I did not come away with a lot of stuff. Um, So I don't know what it is. Like overall, this San Diego Comic Con was like the first convention where I kind of walked away and I was like, eh. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Um, nothing really blew me away. There was a lot of cool stuff, but overall, something was I'm interested in the new wacky. series that's going to be about um, Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell that's going to be. Um, it sounds interesting, though. That was one of the other announcements for Marvel. Um they haven't really said a lot. And there was hints at Marvel Land finally coming back. What? Which should be cool. So Marvel, Marvel Man? Man like, as in Miracle Man? Yeah. As in like the character Never. that no one can ever <laughs> Wow. The, so Marvel has the rights now. Um who knows if it'll be Marvel Man or Miracle Man. But uh I'm assuming Marvel Man. And they're at the retailer summit. They put up a panel with the logo and was like, "It's coming." Wow! There, for folks who are curious about the story, there was a great series called "The Poison Chalice," like a um, like a series of articles about the history of this character, this British comic character that has had so many legal disputes and has been really next to impossible to get books out. Uh, with them. Yeah, I, I wish I could go over, like, the history of it. I mean, basically, it was uh, Marvel Man, and then, like, Marvel Suit, and he became Miracle Man, and he bounced around companies and creators, and he's in this creative limbo, and somehow Todd McFarlane came to own him. Uh, but even then, that's unclear if it was actually, like, a legal thing, and what he did own. And then Marvel took over and got it, like, a year or two ago, I think, like, two years ago, and it hasn't done much other than reprint the a couple comics that no one really wanted. There's this, like, infamous one on it that everyone wants to see that was never finished, that that's what everyone's really clamoring for. Um, so it was a big question of, like, what the hell they're going to do with it. Um, and there's been rumors of, like, during Marvel Now, oh, he was going to show up. After Age of Ultron, he was going to show up. Um, and he never oh, did. So it's be, just been like this. Gonna have crossovers with the main universe is, is what you're is what you're hearing. Yeah. Um, and then recently I was told by someone that I was like, you know, Marvel wouldn't buy this without it being clear that they actually own something, would they? And I was told with a wink and nod, of being like, maybe they would. Um, so I have no idea if it's still yeah. in like legal limbo. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I want. I'd like to see it. It would be kind of interesting to see what they do with them. It's considered one of the most complex copyright stories that has happened in popular in popular media, my understanding. And oh you know, yeah. We know. Um, I can't even think of anything else that would come close to it. Yeah. So what are the um, other big announcements we saw? I guess they're continuing to not do a Wonder Woman movie. That's a major announcement. Yeah, well, I think that was actually the other thing that that shocked me was the lack of announcements. So going into Comic-Con, there was all these rumors as to what was going to be announced. Um, Fox had, like, bought XForceMovie.com or something like that. So everyone's what? like, oh, they're going to announce an X-Force movie, and they're going to announce a Deadpool movie, and they're going to announce a Cable movie. None of that was announced. And then the day of the Warner Brothers happen. Why, why would they ever do an X-Force movie? I love X-Force. But why would they ever do an X- I, Whatever. I'm sorry. People 
war on drugs. Continue. Um, so then the other one was, and these are the blogs speculating, so they're throwing all this stuff. And then the next was, on the day of the Warner Brothers panel, their comment was, um, you know, the Batman-Superman broke, and then it was like, they're also going to announce the Justice League movie, and they're going to announce a Flash movie. And none of that became true either. Like, it just leaked online, and everyone was wrong. So, to me, a bigger story is how wrong the blogs were um, with their rumors. Like, I didn't speculate. I had my thoughts as to what we would see, but I was wrong in pretty much everything. Um, I thought there would be a Miracle Man announcement. No. Um, I thought Justice League would have been announced with, like, maybe some cast. There wasn't. Um... That was kind of my big things, um, but I also don't play the speculated, you know, speculation game. So yeah, that's not um, here, so to speak. No, no, that's other places. But yeah, that was the thing that really shocked me. It was like all these people were throwing all these things, and they were so so wrong. Um, but that's the nature of blogging now is just making up shit and throwing it online and seeing what sticks. Seeing what spreads. Yeah, that's sad. But I do think there's something to be perhaps to be said, maybe how out of touch with what the studios are actually doing, you know, are the people who are covering this field, and then simultaneously how out of touch with what the fandom wants are the studios. Yeah, like, so I have this, have this theory that they were being fed information to try to throw off their... Um, their actual uh, reporting, so that, like, the Batman-Superman thing leaked, and then it also, so whoever leaked that also leaked out and was like, yeah, there's going to be Justice and Flash um, to throw stuff off. Um, and then the, the X-Men stuff, like, I mean, people cyber-squad all the time and buy up, and there's no reason, I'm, I'm sure that someone at Fox might have said, hey, X-Force, the movie is open, or whatever the hell they bought, we probably should nag, snag that, like, ASAP. Like, we do that all yeah. the time in our work of just buying domains because it's related. Um, we do, we do. I'm not actually so that, voting for governor. Yeah. Just kidding, I haven't bought you on 11 for governor, sorry. <laughs> um, and then, I, actually, the, so the one, we kind of, we brought this up when we were discussing what to talk about. Um, so one thing that was really, really cool, it was a great event, it was the first that, first they did this, I guess they used to do this type of stuff in the 70s and they stopped, was um, Comixology put together a fundraiser for the Hero Initiative. Um, so Comixology is the biggest digital comics company out there right now. Um, and the Hero Initiative is this uh, charity that raises money for comic creators who don't have health care or money, had bump deals, um, so basically need to rely on charity for... Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's like, it's a good thing that it exists. Um, so what they did was they had this big, giant canvas, and the canvas was, um, I would guess that it was probably like eight feet long. It was taller than me, so it was probably six foot, seven foot tall, like a massive canvas. And they just had all these creators come out and draw on it. And it had everyone you can think of, like um, Shannon Wheeler was there, Dan Jurgens, um, like it's just there was overall something like two, three hundred people showed up type of thing, um, and they wow. just drew on this canvas. Yeah, I mean it sounds like a veritable awesome. Perez Perez uh, spread of talent there. Wow. Yeah, wow. and it was like 
<laughs> it was indie comics. It was like big name people, people that worked on like Watchmen, um, people who like if you had something you were known for, that was probably up on the on the um, canvas somewhere. Um, and there was awesome things like some uh, someone drew a Millennium Falcon freehand. And then someone drew a dragon behind the Millennium Falcon chasing the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you can imagine what was going up there. It was it was awesome to see. It. Like if you were a fan of art and watching people draw and like see it come up on canvas, like it's a great thing. It was a cool to see that. And then I know Comicsology was taking time lapse photos, and hopefully they'll release that fairly soon. Um, if they haven't already. Um, but so they're gonna throw up the uh the canvas I think on eBay and raise money for uh the hero initiative, which is it's great that they did that like i i I praise them and mm-hmm. immediately said like you guys better do this at future conventions. I want to see this at near comic con I'd like to see this at s p x I think that would be awesome um so like yeah, massive totally. props that they did that. Yeah, uh, but you had but a point that it would be yeah. yes. You had you had a great but, point yeah. about that. You know, charity is great, and obviously that's a really fun and creative way to raise money. Uh, but wouldn't it be better if they all just careers had health insurance? Uh, and, you know, and I realize that there's a ton of people who are essentially permanent lands and should probably be getting health insurance through their actual employer, who are one of the publishers. But there are also people who are genuinely freelance and. The way this works for you know actors and screenwriters, you know, and these are you know these are unionized parts of the entertainment industry, as as contributions are made towards your health care um, from you know from the employer for the amount of work you do, and then you'll qualify from that into a group insurance plan. But you know what? Now under Obamacare, they could just get organize a group and get a group rate of health insurance for comics creators. And there's it would be cheaper. I mean, it would be cheaper than being on the individual market. Even though with the Affordable Health Care Act, that would still be way cheaper and better than it has been before. But why not? You know, have a, a group insurance program through the Affordable Care Act for comics creators. So it just seems I, like I it would be a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually, I have some questions on that. Um, so there was a point that I was a freelancer myself and I had a consulting company and I desperately needed health insurance for health, for chronic Ill, uh, issues that I've got. Um, and I was able to just go out and buy health insurance like it sucked and I was paying like $400, but I was also one of the riskiest yeah, people you could ever imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was one. Of, I, in the end, I laughed because I know that the health insurance company will never make money off of me, so I feel like... <laughs> Hello? Oh no. Comixology. I mean, blog talk. Why? Why? I have to call in again. And I'm back. You were talking about the joys of getting coverage in the individual market. Hello? Hello? Okay. 
I'm back. So this is like the cursed show. Is there anything we can do about this curse? Jeez. But anyway, I guess the end of the story is I think it'd be great to get people together to get a, a group rate insurance for comics creators. And because it'd be a group of people all together, they'd be able to get better rates and it wouldn't just be catastrophic coverage. They could actually get real coverage and do things like they Hi, I'm back. Sorry. This is the cursed episode. Can we just dub it that? Yeah. Um. So, so my question is, like, so I bought health insurance on my own, and it sucked, but I was able to get it, and I got actually pretty good coverage. Like, I I think I had, you know, it was the normal thing where you had, like, a deductible. My deductible wasn't huge. It was, like, maybe $1,000 um, total. And I got uh, catastrophic. I got normal stuff. Um, you know, I got my doctor visits that after I met the deductible, it was, like, 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. Um, so, so the first question was like for all the people who say like they can't get insurance is like why can't they? Um, other than now that now that with the Obamacare you can't get denied. Yeah, exactly. The denial is a huge issue, but also just the amount of your income that people were expected to that you were going to be asked to pay. But the pre-existing conditions were just insane. I'm, I'm actually surprised you were able to get coverage because I know so many folks who were not able to get coverage at all. Like well, for all kinds of reasons. So I was. Stuff. I lucked out because I had HIPAA, and with HIPAA they couldn't deny me. Mm. So, and they, but the other was I also had to argue with them constantly, and HIPAA only lasts for forty-five days, and they had they had uh, squeezed it out to about forty-four days, and about the fortieth day I started. Oh no! Are we gone again? Hello. They were all trying to get me to forty-five so they didn't have to cover me. And eventually I was like, I've been recording right. all the conversations. Um, you guys better do this or I'm going to get you for fraud. And they eventually were like, they... I'll get them off again. So I think we're just going to end our cursed episode a little bit early tonight. Can folks hear me? Hello? Okay. So this is absolutely the, uh, the cursed show. Um... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we were going to have a great discussion about healthcare in the comic industry, but clearly that failed. So I think we're going to table the conversation and take what is probably our worst show ever, full of issues. Um, and I'm going to blame Blog Talk Radio because it seems like things are on their end if we are both getting booted a lot. Um, and we're just going to wrap up the show a little early. Um one second, let me let Alana know that we're ending this, and that will be that, unfortunately. Um, so I'm going to wrap up the episode of Graphic Policy Radio. 
um, the failure that was this episode. You can catch us at graphicpolicy.com to read what we discussed tonight. Or find us on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, um, and it's at Graphic Policy at all that uh, places as well. Uh, so until next week, I'm Brett, a.k.a. Leandro Kill, and thanks for Alana, a.k.a. Salvador Trouble, who had to deal with the horrible, horrible, horrible technology issues, and have a geeky week. Until next time, thanks for listening.